There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. First up is Dr. Ian Cunahan. He's a respiratory consultant here in the hospital. Can I start, Ian, by asking you, you know, at this time of year, people are feeling unwell. They may have a bad cold. They may have a flu. They could have COVID-19. What are the differentiating symptoms? The main differentiating thing is a fever. So patients with colds don't typically have a high temperature with them, although you can. And so if people have a high fever, that would increase our index of suspicion for uh, COVID. The other thing that uh, typically people don't get with a cold is that they don't get shorter, shortness of breath. So people may have a cough and a runny nose with any usual viral illnesses that, that are around in the community, but they're not typically short of breath with those infections. So I think the message really is that if people have a fever or a co- with, a, with a cough or shortness of breath, they need to isolate themselves at home They need to contact their GP by phone. And if they can't get through to their GP or they can't get through to the public health phone numbers, which, as you'll know, will be overwhelmed at the moment because of the increase in their demands, well, then they just need to stay at home and stay isolated, isolating themselves at home, uh, provided they're not sick, provided they're not very unwell. Coming to the hospital, I suppose you want to get a message out today. There's no point in everybody rushing here to A&E. People who are well should not be attending the hospital, really for any reason, unless they have been specifically called in. All of our outpatient clinics have been cancelled today, as people may have heard, other than the fracture clinics and antenatal care. So anyone else that needs to come to an outpatient clinic will be contacted directly by the hospital and advised that if their situation uh, deems that they still need to come, to come. But if they have a routine appointment um, for, for example, my uh, general respiratory clinic, that clinic is not going to happen this week. We are going to have to scale back elective and scheduled care so that we have the capacity to deal with the possibility of an increase in numbers of people coming in unwell with covid Do you expect an increase imminently? Now, the measures taken by the government so far have been rapid and concise in recent days. Do you think that will be a help in itself? I hope so, but I think it's probably inevitable that we will see an increase in the number of positive cases over the next next two to four weeks. It's important to remember that any 
measures taken by the government are going to take about two weeks to be seen in terms of the number of cases reducing. So don't expect that if measures are taken today, the number of cases diagnosed is going to reduce tomorrow. That effect won't be seen for probably two weeks. Do you feel the measures taken should be even more severe? Probably, yeah. I think we'll see that there, it's likely that they will be increased over the coming days. With those increases and people complying, which we want everybody to do, do you believe that ultimately in a number of weeks, or will it be months, we'll get this thing under control? I think we hope so. Ideally, what we're trying to do is flatten the curve of presentations. What we're trying to do is to make the management of the patients who are sick with COVID easier to deal with in the hospital so that we don't have an influx uh, of patients uh, coming in and not have the resources to look after them. So it may mean that we have uh, people coming in over a longer period of time, but at least we will be able to manage them in that scenario. Dr Justin Lowe joins me now and he's consultant in infectious diseases. Thank you for joining us this morning, Dr Lowe. Can you just explain to listeners the most likely scenarios that this COVID will pass from one person to another? Good morning, Jerry. Um, so COVID-19 is a respiratory illness because it's a respiratory illness. It is passed from one person to another person through secretion. Uh, in this case, is what we call macro droplet, as in it's a large drop of cough droplets that passes on from one to another. So in general, with macro droplet, is is a distance of the cough that actually what we measure. So so we are talking about two meters in general. Can it be passed airborne? Airborne, as in through the ventilation system. As far as we know, the answer is no. Um, it is mainly from cough. Um, as we can see from flu, it's very similar. Um, so therefore, the public health advice of social distancing is very important. Uh, as far as I know, um, and from the, what we've learned from the Chinese experience, uh, uh, airborne transmission is insignificant. Talking about the Chinese situation, they do seem at this stage, after a couple of months, to really be getting to grips with this, and the numbers are virtually at zero at this stage, so that is encouraging. Are there treatments, we're hearing of existing drugs for other ailments that have been tested on humans that are proving effective in the treatment of this? Yes, uh, there's a, a lot of agents being uh, experimented at the moment, especially in China. They've used quite a variety of antiviruses, uh, some of them from HIV, some of them from their experience in Ebola treatment. Uh, they are all experimental at this stage. If you're talking about a cure from an antimicrobial, like an antibiotics treating a pneumonia type situation, the, the straight answer is no. What's the difference between flu? Because we've been preached for years, and I get the old flu jab myself every year, and to make sure and get it, that, you know, when you get a flu, it's, it's a viral thing. This is viral as well, but what distinguishes COVID from influenza? There's a lot of overlap because these are all respiratory illnesses, but in the last few months from what we learned in China, um, there's some quite obvious differences. Um, the main thing being um, in influenza, you tend to get a lot of muscle ache and bone aches as compared to COVID-19. Only about 15% of them will actually present with muscle ache and bone ache. One of the universal symptoms seems to be fever. 
In COVID-19, about 90% of us will get fever if we get infected, which is similar to flu. Uh, but from cough point of view, only about two-thirds of COVID-19 will actually develop cough, and they tend to be lower respiratory tract infection. So you're talking about uh, infection going down the lungs as opposed to flu, which affects a lot of the upper respiratory areas, which would present a sniffly nose, runny nose, uh, 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 blocked sinuses, which is not that apparent in COVID-19. Flu is seasonal. We know this. It comes and goes. It should be falling off at this time of the year. Do we know anything of this? Could this be a seasonal issue? We are hoping that it's seasonal because we are near the end of winter. Uh, but it's such an early thing at this stage. We know so little about this virus. It's too early to say. In the best case scenario, we'll see a big spike around this time of the year. And then uh, towards a later part of of, of the year, we'll see a kind of tailing off the, of the disease and it may come back the next winter. We don't know, um, but it's hard to tell. But at the speed that this infection, COVID-19, is crippling all the countries in the world, there's really no time to wait for the season. You're talking about two weeks. It can cripple Italy, for example, from the first case until the country went into lockdown. It took it two weeks, just two weeks. This is worse than World War Three. It's been touted that it's more disease of senior citizens. What would you like to say about that? That children don't really, in a way, become too affected by it. And if you're in the tips of your youth and middle life, you should be fine. Now, um, as Donald Trump says, I think this is all fake news. You know, yeah. As long as you breathe, you're susceptible to that. That that simply means all of us are susceptible to that. The difference is that in children or in young adult they tend to have very, very mild, if no symptom at all. Now, that is good in one way, but it's also very dangerous because a, a child can get it in school, bring it back home, and the virus will kill off the grannies, and it can seriously send the parents into hospital for weeks. Very important to, to mention that because that is a misnomer that is being touted extensively at the moment. So if you want it straight from the man that knows you have it there today, could it mutate? Yes, uh, because in China they have already isolated two different strains of COVID-19 and they believe that around January that was the time when it mutated. Uh, well, there's this thing called viral drift. Uh, it happens to all viruses, including flu and cold, common cold, and it seems to be happening to COVID-19 as well as predicted. If you get it, are you immune for evermore amen? And recover, of course. <laughs> well, we are hoping that this would be the case, but from our experience from flu and previous uh, coronaviruses, uh, you may get it now, but the immunity does not seem to last too long. There is already reported cases in Japan and China that people who came through the virus originally and survived it, they have it a second time a few months down the road. Now, this is... Not a serious issue, to my opinion, because if you survive the first episode of COVID-19, you're most likely to survive the second episode. And also, we know from flu and previous COVID infections, uh, coronavirus infections, the subsequent infections tend to be milder and milder. The big question, the world is waiting. The companies are racing to get a vaccine all over the world. What's your information there? What do you think from your professional experience how long it will take? 
Now, COVID is a bit different from flu. Uh, when we were experiencing the H1N1 time uh, uh, years ago, uh, um, they were able to scramble together all the data and come up with a flu vaccine fairly quickly. That's because flu vaccine has been around for decades and it's a matter of uh, finding the right strain and mixing and matching to get the right vaccine very quickly. But coronaviruses, there has never been a good vaccines uh, in the past, so this is all brand new to the scientists. But there's a lot of money poured into this. There's a lot of uh, governments in the world pouring money into this. So I'm hoping that in time to come, it will come to our, our rescue. But my advice is don't depend on that right now because at the rate that is crippling countries worldwide, you're talking about two to three weeks, there's just no time to wait for vaccine. All we can do now is to stay safe, try to slow down the spread, flatten the curve, prevent in the infection as much as possible, and who knows, in six months, 12 months down the road, there could be a treatment or vaccine, but there's just no time for, to wait for that length of time. Thank you very much, Dr. Justin Lowe, Infectious Diseases Consultant. Tracy Doherty joins us now. She's Assistant Director of Nursing for Infection and Prevention Control at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Respiratory etiquette. Can we begin there? Okay, thank you, Jerry. Respiratory etiquette is extremely important at all times, but especially in the COVID-19 situation we find ourselves in. It's really important that everybody covers their mouth and their nose and cough into the tissue. And then not to put the tissue into their pockets or up their sleeve, but actually to dispose of it immediately into the bin and then wash their hands afterwards. However, life happens and we don't always have a tissue on us. So if we don't have a tissue, we would ask you to cough into your elbow and then wash your hands as soon as you can afterwards. What about hand hygiene? Because we're hearing it from the very beginning of this outbreak. Take us through that. How often, how frequent and when? Hand hygiene is the cornerstone of infection control and we should be doing hand hygiene at all times anyway. Again, in the current situation that we're in, what I find is people, they think they're doing hand hygiene but they're not actually doing it right. To do hand hygiene, it's essential that you wet your hands first and then put the soap onto your hands and make sure you get a good lather of soap on your hands. It's essential that you do your thumbs the back of your dominant hand, so of your right hand to the back of your right hand, that's the areas that we all miss. It's very important that you interlace your fingers and do in between your fingers. And one of the most important things when it comes to hand hygiene is actually drying your hands. And that doesn't mean drying your hands in your trousers or in your tea towel, but actually drying your hands either with a paper towel or a towel, uh, a towel that's shared amongst the family but washed regularly. So important to say that. Don't leave them on the towel rack for the week. You know, it's an Irish thing here. Change them regularly, but pre- preferably paper. But if, if you can, especially if you have visitors to your house, obviously we're all trying social distancing at the moment, but there will be times where people have to go into the house, but that they actually use paper towel and not the communal family towel. What about the distancing? How important is that and what are your stipulations there? Social distancing is about two metres apart, okay, and that is really important and we should all try and do that at all times. It's very difficult because our social norm is to hug, is to kiss, is to shake hands, but in the situation we find ourselves in, we really have to try and keep two metres apart and that is possible. You can be in a room and both stand at either side. You know, your neighbour can come as far as your gate and talk to you, so we're not asking people to completely and utterly not speak to your neighbour, but to try and keep that two metres apart. I've seen some people out and about in recent days with masks on. What's your advice there? 
Okay, masks, Jerry. It's really, really important that people only wear masks if the healthcare professionals have advised them to do so. If you see people wearing masks and they have been advised by the healthcare professional, it's probably because they have COVID-19 or that they're highly suspected to have it because that will reduce the spread into the environment and for other people in the community. The problem is people put on the mask and they actually really think then, I'm fine, I'm protected, I'm okay. When actually what will happen is they're not used to wearing these masks, they can be very uncomfortable, and most people will pull the mask off from the front, and then the immediate, the the most common thing what people do is subconsciously then they touch their face, their nose and their mouth, having not washed their hands after taking off the mask. So our advice would be strongly, I would strongly advise the community out there not to wear masks unless you've been asked to, because if you have been asked, you'll be shown how to take it off. And if you do wear a mask, you have to decontaminate your hands immediately after taking off the mask. Don't talk to me about face touching. On the show the other day, my producer counted. In 30 minutes, I touched my face 14 times on the air. Well, Jerry, I'm pretty much the same myself. I find it very, very hard not to touch my face. I think we all subconsciously touch our face, our hair. Um, you know, we put our hand under our chin. But again, in this current situation, we all have to come together. This is, a, you know, we can do our bit here in the hospital. But we really need the community to also try the social distancing, not touching our faces and making sure that we regularly wash our hands, you know, before we eat, after we eat. And like I'm going to say after the toilet and when your hands are visibly soiled and people will think I'm actually crazy for saying that. But that does happen. People are not washing your hands after going to the toilet if you've got a pet at home making sure you you know you wash your hands after your pet if you're if you do have to go into a house for any reason making sure you wash your hands when you go into that house the social norms have just been fired out the window in recent days and it's a big thing for so many people that you can't do this you can't do that schools off bars restaurants will probably be closed now no social gatherings What do you say to people who are struggling with, you know, the norms of life that are gone and gone for the foreseeable future? I struggle with that too, Jerry, because I'm obviously a member of the community. And, you know, with my family, I find it very, very hard not to be hugging and kissing. But on the other side of that too, you've got to think of the healthcare workers in here and we have to try and do as much as we can. So we need to try and manage the surge. And to help us with that, we need the people out there in the community to practice this. We all have to work together in this. That was Tracy Doherty there, Assistant Director of Nursing, Infection and Prevention Control at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Back to respiratory consultant Dr Ian Cunahan to finish off. Tracy mentioned something there that sticks with me. You guys, we need you guys in the full of your health in here. The consultants, the nursing staff, all the staff that keep this hospital running. And it is the regional hospital here in the, in the northeast. Is that a concern for you and your colleagues? I think that's uh, definitely a concern for us and I think the best way that people can show support for us is by respecting the recommendations that Tracy has just talked about and practicing social distancing because if we're coming in here to look after patients that are sick and putting ourselves at risk we really want people to do their bit in the community and to try and keep in touch with people over the phone and remember that people may feel more isolated at this time. So regular contact with particularly elderly relatives over the telephone uh, I think is going to be very important. Um, But I think the best way that people can help us is by showing that they're respecting what the recommendations are. And to follow those closely as they emerge and they will over the coming days finish on a positive note because we, we have to be positive as, as mankind and human beings on this. Have you a word to say to people? If we all dig in, this is a war situation. It was mentioned earlier on there. We do what we're told and we abide by the rules. We'll come through this. I think absolutely. I mean, I think if everybody was able to stay isolated over the next uh, three weeks, this would disappear from the country. 
So we can dramatically reduce the amount of transmission by respecting what is recommended in terms of social distancing and self-isolating if you do have symptoms. Positive message there to finish. I want to say a big thank you today to Tracy Doherty, Assistant Director of Nursing, Infection and Prevention Control at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, Dr. Justin Lowe, Infectious Diseases Consultant, and Dr. Ian Coonhan, Respiratory Consultant. Thank you all very much indeed. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.